Oh, this is going to be a good one. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's ask, A-S-K-P-E-T-E, at petetheplanner.com. Damian Dunn joins me in studio this week. Hey, Dame. Hey, Pete. Director of Personal Financial Strategies at Your Money Line. Here's how the show works if you are currently not aware of what's happening. You email us. We talk about your financial questions because we're geniuses. And then we don't try to sell you anything. It's sort of awesome. Dame, in a lot of financial radio shows, name, the point of them is for, for the people to then become clients of the hosts. Yeah, it's kind of funny how that works. We have no interest in being or have a relationship with these people. No. <laughs> that, no. Weird. Weird. Now, we no. just want to answer questions. Dear Pete and Com... Oh, first one. Here's the first one. Uh, from Shanna or Shana. You know what? There's only one end. That's an that's interesting point. Dear Pete and company, I have been reading a lot about sequence of return risks in retirement, and I'm a little nervous. Can you help guide me? For your information, here's our story and stats. DH and I are both 57. I've seen that DH before. What does it mean? Designated hitter. Yes. I think it's a dear husband. Like, what is DH? I yeah, let's go with Dear Husband. But I, I've seen someone on Twitter. Re- yes. Really? Unless this is the same woman on Twitter that... Anyway, DH and I. What, what do you think it is? Domestic husband? <laughs> dumb D- dumb hubby? husband. I don't know. I don't DH know. and I are both 57. No kids. Both employed. Planning to retire at 60 to 61 in three to four years. We will both receive employer pensions. And eventually, we plan to take Social Security later on. At age 67. While employed, we've been maxing out our 401ks and our Roth IRAs, and depending on the market, our investment portfolio is around 2 million American dollars. No consumer debt, and cars and houses are paid for. And by houses, I mean house. Singular house, name. Regarding sequence of return risk, I'm concerned about withdrawing in retirement if the market dives down for an extended time. So I've started saving cash in several $25,000 CDs at a bank. If we hit a downward market for long term, I'm planning to use the CDs and savings to cover our living expenses and not pull from the investment portfolio. Do you think this is a good plan? If so, how much should I be stuffing away in money market savings and CDs between now and three to four years from now? We can uh, continue to save. If you have better options for protecting against sequence of return risk, I'm interested in your sage advice. Our current expenses and lifestyle spend is between eighty dollars to $100,000 per year. And we hope to maintain that level by traveling in retirement. Thanks for being here for us. Learned so much from your podcast. I think I've listened to all of them. Appreciate your advice. Shana. Did you ever read one of these questions, Dame, and think they should actually be hosting the podcast? I, I was kind of hoping you were going to surprise me with a, a call in and she was just going to uh, just explain, do the rest of the show? explain the answer for us. Can you uh, bestow upon us the knowledge of what is return risk? Sure. So a sequence of return risk uh, is very concerning for people who are approaching retirement. So if you get within that maybe a five-year window prior to retirement and things are looking good, and then all of a sudden the market goes down uh, for two or three years, that nest egg uh, is, is considerably smaller, com- altering pretty fundamentally what your retirement prospects are. The same thing can be said after right after you retire 
Um, so you, there's a, a potential to have your outlook greatly affected by some negative sequence of returns uh, right either before or after you retire because you don't have time to recover from it. Yeah, a lot of people accept the fact that uh, the market goes up and down. Yep. But if you get the down before the up, when you're drawing, when you're decumulating your yeah. assets, it can be a disaster. Yeah, it's your double, you know, double dipping is not exactly the right word, but you're, you're impacting it negatively. And that balance that you work so hard to gain during your working years by uh, the market's doing its number on it. And you're also taking the money out that you need to live on. So you're decreasing that balance uh, much more rapidly than you had planned on. There's so many brilliant things about Shanna's strategy here. Uh, first off, I have to say the fact that they both have pensions is just fantastic and unique in today's mm -hmm. day and age. I also have to say that this idea that she, her plan isn't to pull out of the market now in order to make sure they don't go backwards, also strangely unique and also wonderfully important. Don't most people, when they start to think through this, fear grips them and they end up making a horrendous mistake by getting too conservative, and I just use air quotes, too conservative, pulling out of the market and then negatively impacting their retirement going forward. Yeah, I actually just am working on a blog piece about this, this very topic about when things start to look a little sketchy or things are going down and people's natural inclination is to pull their money out of the market because we're hardwired to protect ourselves from, from things that we think are going to hurt us. And so it's totally natural for an investor to say, well, things are going bad. I don't want to be a part of that. When in reality, that's one of the most dangerous things you can do, assuming uh, your portfolio has been constructed correctly and your time horizon is appropriate. Yeah, if you, if you think that they have $2 million right now, okay, they've got two pensions and they're going to have two social securities at 67. So they're going to get their pensions and take returns off of their um or take income off of their assets well prior to taking social security, but they want to travel during that time. Let's say it, it stays at $2 million three years from now. Let's say it's still 2 million. Best case scenario, you're pulling 80 off of that a year. And I'll have to say, Dame, if social security is going to kick in later, they could conceivably pull off more than 80 now and then let you know, five or six years ago, get that pay increase because of their social security retirement benefits. Yeah. And this is a, um, a line of thinking that's becoming a little bit more popular in financial planning circles to use more of your assets when you are still uh, young and active and, and able to do things, especially in somebody's situation like this, where they do, do have pensions and they're, they're, they're being wise about it where they can, they're going to wait until full retirement, at least in this case, uh, to start their social security to get their their, their full retirement benefit. Um, so if they draw down their assets a little bit faster than anticipated, it's not that big a deal because the, they're going to need less of those assets going forward. I like your plan. And I think, you know, they have to also understand they, they say they have no kids and that's a factor, dude, sure. because they're, they're not concerned about leaving money to anyone. I, I would think maybe, mm -hmm. maybe they are, but she didn't say they are. Which is to say, I don't have a problem at all with them getting cash heavy prior to retirement. I, in a situation like this, I like at least, and, and this by this I mean 
$2 million in retirement savings. I like at least $100,000 in cash at retirement. Sure. Uh, this, what she's really built into here is called a bucket theory. It's okay. what, what I've some, never heard of that. Yeah, some financial planners, uh, it's become a, a fairly well-known concept. Bucket theory will allow you to have maybe a year or two's worth of expenses set aside in cash to allow your other assets to weather a storm. Oh, I have heard of that. In case of uh, bad markets. So you, just as we were talking, when the markets get depressed a little bit, you're not pulling money out while the values are down as well. By the way, this feels like the perfect week to talk about this. Yeah, right? absolutely. It, terrifying market swings. If you if you retired, like, or if you plan on retiring in 2019, like your cake party is December 30th, and then you're done. You are shook this week. Yeah, it just goes to also lend some credence to making sure you're working with an advisor who is setting you up properly for retirement to make sure that your portfolio is structured in a way that it can handle little shocks like this. So I 100% endorse uh, this emailer's plan. I think it's great. Uh, I trust her judgment. Again, when, when you send us an email at askpete at petetheplanner.com, believe you me, I am looking for clues in your writing, whether I trust your judgment or not, and it is not judgmental. It is observational because that's what we do. Dame, coming up after the break, uh, we have a Roth IRA home purchase question we're going to tackle. Fantastic. You pretty excited about that? I am. If you want to email us, ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. We're coming back after the break, so don't you worry. I'm Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner Show. Damien Dunn in studio answering your money questions. Email us askpete at petetheplanner.com. Ask Pete at petetheplanner.com. Dame, I really like this question that came in. Uh, so I'm going to read it to you now. Dear Pete, longtime Twitter follower, first time podcast listener, and admirer of your dad jokes. <laughs> My wife and I are paying off our student loans right now and planning. We're buying our home once we're debt-free. A friend told us about the penalty-free withdrawal for Roth IRAs for first-time home buyers the other day. Boy, they must have really interesting conversations with their friends. I'm, just, you know, I'm thinking I, I could be a part of this group. Do you ever think about how weird your conversations are with your friends? I, I was driving to St. Louis the other day. I called one of my best friends I hadn't talked to on the phone in a while. We text every day, but and talk. We're talking, and we start talking about septic tanks and repairs for septic tanks. <laughs> And I stopped the conversation, and I was like, what are we doing? When did we become 41 years old? Yeah. Well, how does that happen? I, I, there was, I don't remember what the, the occasion was, but I just realized that earlier this week that I, it was, man, I'm, I'm right smack in the middle of midlife. My understanding is that uh, per person, a first-time home buyer can withdraw up to $10,000 from their Roth IRA to help with the down payment for their home. So $20,000 for a married couple, of first-time home buyers to add to the down payment that is neither penalized nor taxed at withdrawal. What are the drawbacks, in your opinion, to using this tax-free penalty-free uh, method to accessing our IRA funds when we plan to buy our home once we are debt-free? We're 26 and 28 years old. We've got 92000 in our IRAs. We're very well ahead of our retirement fund timeline. This feels like there has to be a catch. Let me know your ideas, Donald. All right, so Dame, uh, great question, and I had you get some more details from this guy. 
because I think they're important. What else do you have to know when you see a question like this? What do you need to know as a financial genius to help answer the question correctly? Uh, I would love to know how much uh, they earn. Well, you know, what got a rough idea of what their expenses are. Um, if we can have a, a better idea of um, retirement savings and, and how they fit inside of what they're currently doing, uh, things of that nature really help give some color to a question like this. All right, so they earn fifteen thousand five hundred a month gross. Mm-hmm. Their expenses are fifty five hundred dollars a month. They they did say they might probably have kids three to four years from now, but neither of them plan on staying home with the kids. They plan on just putting them in a drawer and then revisiting the children when they get home from work. The old-fashioned way. Yeah. The, you know, I used to joke about that all the time, and clearly I still joke about that. Did you know that was actually a thing? What? Like, people used to put babies in drawers. I, I, I'm speechless. Like, it's true. Uh, our home budget, they said, is $350,000 with a 10% down payment. So obviously, the $20,000 they would take from their Roth IRAs would go a long way mm-hmm. in, in getting there. Did they say what their emergency fund is? Um, I, you know what? I don't think I asked that question. Shame on me. Shame on you. Get out of here. What do you think? Where, where, where do you begin to answer this question? Because you can do it. Mm-hmm. But should you do it? Yeah, absolutely. There, there is a provision that allows first-time homebuyers to withdraw money from a, a Roth IRA up to ten thousand uh, dollars, penalty free. And what are the stipulations around that? Isn't it you have yeah, to? The, sorry, yeah. the account has to be open for five years. Okay. Uh, it has to be a withdrawal of ten thousand or less, and the funds have to be used specifically for a home acquisition. So, you know, down payment, closing costs fees, stuff like that. But not like curtains or a fence in the new yard, the nothing grill, like that. No, nothing like that. I like the grill would be nice. So if they took $20,000 out of their life, their their future, mm-hmm. we did some calculations. We found that that $20,000 withdrawal from their future right now will essentially cost them between $430,000 to $480,000 at retirement. Right. And that's tax-free because it's in a Roth account. Is that enough to answer the question right there? Or are we to say, well, that alone is a deal breaker because if, if based on the other numbers they're showing us here, they could conceivably save for a home in or that down payment in 18 months or so? Potentially. We know what their income is. We know what their expenses are, but we don't know what things necessarily look like after taxes and retirement contributions because we know they're saving aggressively towards their employer-sponsored retirement plan, um, and they do live in a a higher-taxed part of the country. And a very expensive part of the country. And a very expensive part of the country. So to say that they could come up with the down payment as quickly as one might be led to believe by just the raw numbers... Um, I don't know if we can go quite that far. It might take them a little while. I'm not saying they don't have margin to make that a part of their uh, long-term goal, but I don't know if it could happen as quickly as we think. Do you know, this is why I think our job as professional financial problem solvers is so nuanced because on the surface, affecting your retirement by $480,000 seems like a horrific idea and it, and it feels like a deal breaker right from the jump. But I'm not so sure, based on the rest of what we know about this person, 
that the suggestion they're making of withdrawing the 20000 from the Roth IRA, I'm not so sure it's a terrible idea because I have so much faith in this person's ability to continue to earn and make good decisions. Yeah, it's not a recommendation I would normally suggest people take advantage of. That's a great point because that's the unique part about this show. This specific situation may warrant what we're about to say, which is you should be okay. But that doesn't mean someone else listening will be okay. And that's the that's the deal with Google, right? Yeah, absolutely. The deal with blanket mass advice. The fact that you know you and I both write you for the blog and me for the blog and newspaper things. Like just because we give one advice to a specific uh, situation. It doesn't always apply, and that that actually makes me nervous. If I'm being honest, yeah, it, it's it's almost always a unique situation when we get uh, somebody's question, and very rarely does general advice um, apply to it. I mean, right. there, there, there's great general knowledge to to go along with this, but everybody's situation is a little bit unique, and, and not many people are going to be in a similar situation as as Donald here. Yeah. So we need to make sure that, you know, just because it, it may be appropriate for Donald and his, his family to take advantage of this opportunity, it doesn't mean it is for you. And it also highlights the importance of, of being able to run things like this past a trusted either advisor that, that you're working with. Or a radio show. Or, or, you know, a highly rated podcast. <laughs> You know what's also interesting about this idea that we take this $20,000, remove it from their life, and then assign a future value to it to say, uh, you're foregoing $480,000. We could do that for a club sandwich the guy eats today. Absolutely, yeah. You know, it's like... Where, where do you draw the line? And, and I think that's where you can get in your own head, not you, Dame, but a person can get in their own head about their financial decisions. It's like, yeah, but if you apply a future value to a number saying that... It, but it's about opportunity costs, right? Absolutely. There is opportunity cost here. So I'm going to be honest. I can't believe I'm saying this. I have no problem with them taking the $20,000 withdrawal. I, I would also mention, though, in doing this, ideally it's a 15-year mortgage, but I also have to say there's no way it's going to be based on the area of the country that they're in. Yeah. But I, what do you say? $350,000 house? Could he do a... You know what? Let's put it out there. Donald, if you can do a 15-year mortgage based on your plan, I would absolutely 100% do it. Yeah, absolutely. Dame, do you factor in, uh, with a couple seconds left here, do you factor in the fact that they're going to have kids in three to four years, or does that just mean you need to, to put more flexibility into their plan? I'd love to see more flexibility, but I think uh, Donald's probably taken this under consideration and has thought far enough ahead that it's going to be a, a relative non-factor. All right. So, Donald, you and you alone, well, with your significant other, make the move. Do it. Get the debt paid off first. Don't lose your patience. And uh, good luck to you. Coming up after the break, more of the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. On the Pete the Planner Show, Dane, we have a reverse mortgage question. Yeah, that seemed insincere. They're just well, you know how we feel about reverse mortgages, but let's see what they what they think. Dear Pete, no, actually, just says hi. Yeah, we're a retired couple with our home and car paid for. 
They said car singular. So you think they're a retired couple with one car? Sure. I feel like that's a thing. Once you retire, like, why do we have two cars? We always, we're always together. We go out and grab a you know, 4 p.m. dinner. That's right. Right? Be, be as, as economical as you can when you're going to Denny's. You live out in the country, though. To have one car is really stranded somebody. Country is probably a stretch for where I live, but yes, technically in the country. We have no heirs. Our home, heirs makes it seem like there's a lot of money involved, but it really doesn't <laughs> mean that. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, our home is in need of new windows, roof, flooring, and changes to accommodate us as we get older. For example, a roll-in shower. Mm-hmm. Man, a roll-in shower. You see those commercials, the bath fitter or whatever? No, no. It's the ones where... There's a door, door. Yeah. on your shower. Yeah. Like you walk in. Yeah. Every time I, and then you can fill it. You can mm-hmm. still fill the tub like you're an athlete soaking off injuries and that thing. Yet the door doesn't open and the water doesn't flood out with like fish yeah. going into your room. That'd be amazing. We would like uh, your take on using a reverse mortgage as an option to pay for about $70,000 for these repairs. TY. I-A-D. Thank you in advance. Is that what that means? Yeah. D, I'm Why, sorry. Is that an a, acronym? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it is now. Thank you in advance. What else could it mean? Don't finish that. This Yoda is awesome. Could be. Sorry, D. On the surface, I'll just say reverse mortgages have been through some rough patches. Absolutely. Uh, why don't you... Uh, Go ahead and catch us up to speed. What, what is a reverse mortgage? Dan? Reverse mortgage is when you uh, sign a contract with a bank to uh, be able to access money out of your house without needing to necessarily pay it back. So if you, uh, it works really well in cases actually somewhat similar to this, mm-hmm. where the house is paid for, it's uh, presumably being Oh my gosh. Kept. Do you think yeah. I would have silenced my phone? It's yeah. only my 10th year of radio. It's, you know, it's a group professionalism text. Professionalism here. Oh, group um, text. Should we just include everybody else in that group text? Yeah, thank you in I advance. Should I force them to read it on the air? No. Um, it's a way for you to draw money back out of your house. It's usually you know one of the two largest assets that people have access to. Um, in the past, they were super expensive to right. to be able to uh, come to fru- uh, completion with. And then... Um, now they've, they've changed a little bit to where they're a little bit more reasonable to use. Uh, again, not much like uh, the, the last segment, not something that I would typically recommend for, for a lot of people, but there are some cases where reverse mortgage does make sense. Generally, uh, if you're not looking to pass on money mm-hmm. because you, it's not your desire or you can't based on the amount, then you would fall into the category of, eh, it can make some sense. Yeah. But but frankly, Dame, I doubt anyone's going to consider reverse reverse mortgage an option if their number one priority is to pass on wealth, right? But I actually think this could make sense for these people. Dame, the big concern when you get into a reverse mortgage are what we call maturity events or when you fail to meet loan obligations. So let's start with a maturity event. Reverse mortgage becomes due uh, when the last surviving borrower dies, right? So that that is a maturity event. Or the home is no longer the borrower's principal residence, right? Or the borrower vacates the property for more than 12 months for medical reasons, or six months or more for non-medical reasons. 
that can become a, a major issue in the situation. Yeah, it, these are all concerns that need to be uh, placed into the decision-making process because you know, we've talked in the past about you know, maybe needing to look into assisted living and, and things of that nature, how, how expensive that can be. A lot of times, uh, if that's the case, people dip into the house for help paying, paying for that, whether they sell the house and, and use that to fund that stay there or a, a line of credit, something like that. So if they're already using a big pool of resources to improve their house for a, a long-term stay in retirement, um, that's potentially reducing the pool of in, or resources that they would have to use on other things. Which is what makes me the most nervous about this. Because if the home gets in a state of disrepair, if they can't keep it properly maintained, then the loan becomes due. And, and that becomes a major issue. And if you don't have the funds to fix it at that point in time, you're in trouble. Dame, the other criticism, and we're trying to hit, we're hitting cons right now, but we'll hit the pros here in a second. The other thing to consider here is, and this is my opinion, and you can have your own opinion on this. I find reverse mortgages to be exorbitantly expensive. I will concur your opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're uh, an inexpensive solution to nearly any problem. You know, you look at the different financial products out there and strategies, and, and you try to evaluate their costs. And, and the costs should go along with the value they deliver. Sometimes annuities get a, a lot of trouble over their expenses. And I would I would say that annuities are expensive, absolutely, uh, objectively. However, if the value that annuity delivers to someone is worth that expense, that's in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, if you are uh, the type of person who, who needs to access, whether it's an annuity or a reverse mortgage, and you are comfortable with the trade-offs that you are making to access the benefits that, that come along with those, whether real or perceived, um, there is a value to paying what you need to pay to get access to that, that product. The scariest thing I see with reverse mortgages are when people use it to uh, buy more house. You know, they, 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 there's a strategy going on out there of how you can get approved uh, to, to really live bigger mm-hmm. uh, when you don't actually have the money and funds to support it using a reverse mortgage. And that scares me. But, Dame, I have to say, in this situation, I think a reverse mortgage could make sense, although it's it sort of, to me, it's a card you play once, and it's one of your final cards you play. And if you're going to do it, to be able to live in a home longer because of it's accessible to you with your, your needs from aging, it could work, but it, there's, there's a lot of risks. Yeah, this is one of these situations where uh, I think it could make sense. And that's based on what little we know, but from, from top to bottom, uh, no heirs, they've got some cash, they've got some equity, uh, and they want to stay in it longer term to... Uh, and make these changes so they can stay in it longer term. Um, yeah, it, it could very well work. Just make sure that you are uh, up to speed on everything that a reverse mortgage entails before you sign on that dotted line. She did not mention her age. There are age restrictions around. Um, we are a retired couple, so I'm going to assume they're a proper age. Dame, the other the other thing I guess is worth mentioning here, and I don't know how you feel about this, is if you use a reverse mortgage for living expenses, you know, that would make me nervous because that truly is a last ditch effort to survive. This is a strategic decision 
to be able to to live in, in a place which is generally more economically sound decision for a longer period of time. That's what makes me think that a reverse mortgage is actually a reasonable decision for them. Yeah, I, I agree. If you were going to uh, rely on that reverse mortgage, things are uh, for living expenses, things are are not looking so hot probably for you in, in other areas. Um, maybe it's, it's a solution. Again, it, it is a solution, but one that comes with trade-offs. Um, I'm a little nervous that they need new windows, new roof, new flooring, and changes to accommodate us as we get older. Like, that's a lot. That That is new flooring and a new roof and new windows. I would question whether they're going to find their home, other aspects of their home, in disrepair and then be forced to, you know, default on the loan. That's interesting. I don't, I, that, you know, this would all be uncovered during the appraisal process for sure. Absolutely. So, yeah, what will happen next if they go, choose to go through it is they we will have to get an appraisal and get approved for the loan. Anyway, there's reverse mortgages for you, Dame. Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week. There was something I was angry about this week I was going to bring up on the show. Let's see if I can remember it during the break. All that's next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is the Resvani Tank X SUV. If you require a little more from your luxury SUV than Rolls-Royce, Bentley, or Mercedes-Benz can provide, Resvani has you covered. The Tank X is built on a Jeep Wrangler chassis, although little is retained except the frame and axles. Resvani drops in a supercharged 6.2-liter V8 from the Dodge Demon with a few tweaks to bring horsepower up to over 1,000. Getting that hypercar-like power to the pavement are standard Fox 2.0 shocks with four inches of lift. I don't know what this crap means. Uh, the interior is, in a lux- is as luxurious as you'd expect, with plenty of leather and a large infotainment screen. For an additional $100,000, you can upgrade to the military edition with ballistic armor, thermal night vision, cloud-connected video surveillance, and above-military-grade EMP protection that will keep your electronics working even in the event of a distant nuclear blast. Starting at $349,000. Damien, I have to tell you this. I don't know how this is going to come off. There, my daughter takes gymnastics lessons. She's on the gymnastics team. This is a thing. Mm-hmm. At our gymnastics gym, or just a gym, there is a parent who drives a $250,000 Bentley SUV. Mm-hmm. And I never park next to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrified of wind. And how much money do you have to have to justify driving a home? A lot more than I have. I know sometimes people aspire to have so much money that they can do that with. I, I don't know how much money I personally would have to have in order to do that. Then you look at this thing, $350,000. This is a toy for the uber rich, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's not like they are building these and putting them on car lots. These are specific one-off builds for every person that comes through. And three hundred, yeah, it says starting at three fifty. Uh, there's no way that uh, anybody's spending only three fifty. I mean, it's going to be six, seven hundred thousand dollars for something like that. 
Now, Dame, uh, this week also, I, I want to mention we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna debate this. Olive Garden was selling fifty lifetime pasta passes for five hundred dollars. You pay five hundred dollars and you get a pass for a lifetime of pasta at Olive Garden. This is worth discussing for a couple of reasons. Number one, I'm just gonna say it, and you again, you can take away what you need to take away from this. I personally don't choose to eat there very often. I don't either. Okay. People love it. That doesn't mean you're wrong and I'm right. I just, I don't eat there. So I don't know what pasta costs there. Maybe a dish of pasta costs 10 to $15. Yeah. Let's say 10 to make this easy. 50 trips to Olive Garden. Cause I assume it's just for one person. I can't assume it's for, I assume it's for the pass holder themselves, not for their entire party. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, that would, wouldn't even make any sense. Dean, is this a good use of money, or is it not? I know somebody that would put Olive Garden in the in the red ink if they owned that. They would go every day. It only expires upon the death of the named pass holder. Huh. Yeah, I I know somebody that would get their money out of that and more. I don't. Again, I don't. This is not my jam. But I think that's a good use of money if you if you eat a lot of pasta. 50 trips. Yeah. Let's say you're a retired person and you go every Thursday and you have you have your uh, manicotti. Yeah. You know, you just have to live for a year and you've done it. Yeah. I I don't know if you have Olive Garden's your thing, man. I I, I mean there's a couple other restaurants I'd probably rather have uh, a lifetime pass to. Well, I wouldn't uh, wouldn't do my waist size any good. Dame, you sent me an article this week saying that Tommy John, which is an underwear company, wanted to know how many people change their underwear every day. And and you said that for some reason there's a financial component to this. There is. And I think it's just because you want to talk about underwear on the radio. And I would just like, for the point of record, I do. I am one of those people that do change my underwear every day. And I know people want to know that. And you're welcome for the visual. Why did you bring this up on our show? Uh, well, just so I can... Uh stop people from wondering. Uh, the survey actually <laughs> said out of a thousand people, uh, Americans in this case, uh, that were surveyed, they discovered 45% wore their same pair of underwear for two days or longer. Okay. Okay. Wait a second. What? Mm. 45%. And you know what I think? What? I think there are some people that are lying. I think it's more than 45%. Wow. I wonder if we're really drawing a line in the sand here. And we're trying to create two groups of people, those that are sane and uh, are cleanly and those that choose a different path. Potentially. You use this information for good or evil, whatever you want. I feel like a, a mangeret elitist right now. Well, so, so here's the financial component. Oh, of this. good. And a separate survey of 1,000 people, 46% uh, said that uh, they have owned the same pair of underwear for at least one year. The quote from Tommy John is, it's crucial to update your underwear wardrobe every six months to a year to ensure that you're protected from harmful infections and health risks. No way. Oh, so now you're not so concerned about how your, your cleanliness. I have something called a washing machine and <laughs> detergent. <laughs> and I make my kids do my laundry. No, what that's like when people are like you need a new mattress every year and a half or yeah. whatever it's like come what yeah every, no way every six months to a year to ensure 
you're protected from harmful infections and health risks. It's about your family, Pete. Don't you care about your family? Tommy John doesn't care about my family. They just care about being cupped around my midsection. If, if you're interested, they even provide a few tips for keeping your undies clean. Tumble dry your underwear on low heat for 30 minutes after washing. Don't mix your underwear in the same load with significant other or children if they're sick. Which I'm not going to put my kids in the washing machine. Yeah, they could well, hurt yeah. them. Uh, avoid washing contaminated underwear with other pairs of clothing, and wash your underwear separately from clothing containing, well, other stuff. Do you see J.P. Morgan Chase forgave a bunch of credit card debt in Canada? Yeah, that's really interesting. I could not believe this. If you're the owner of a Chase Canadian credit card, the bank is forgiving your balance. Yeah, Chase has taken the extremely rare move of wiping out consumer debts. To hasten its exit from the market. They're struggling in Canada? Yeah. Chase is. And so they're just like, oh, do you have $17,000 on a Chase credit card because you refresh your underwear every six months? It's okay. It's on us. Yeah. I I didn't even know that Chase was having... I mean, who would assume that a bank would really have issues with credit cards? It has to be their most profitable line. And by the way, it's like playing Monopoly. Isn't that one of like the community chest? You open it, it's like... The credit, the bank forgives your credit card debt because you're a Canadian. Exactly. Get more maple syrup. That's right. Is that one of the more shocking bank-related news items you've ever seen? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I I'm torn on it because why are you carrying that balance in the first place? But you know what? Congratulations, you don't have to pay it off anymore. Now, what I'm curious is, how does Canada handle this? Do they count that as earned income on their taxes like they would in the U.S.? Bankruptcy filings are increasing across the United States, and they could get worse. New York State's bankruptcy filings, for instance, have risen steadily in the past three years, hitting 34,711 in 2018, up from 30,112 in 2016. And there is a feeling that bankruptcies will be getting worse. Dame, I, I don't say what I'm about to say out of judgment. I say it out of, well, yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> When you come out of a recession, you go into a period of growth, this is going to happen. It's the whole concept behind why the next recession is coming. Right. Yeah, this is, is a, some people might say this is a bit of a leading indicator to tell us what, what's on the uh, horizon for us, but this shouldn't be a surprise. I ever tell you about that I wanted to write a book where the whole premise of the book was around this line, it was the sort of small town the only person doing well was the bankruptcy attorney. Ever tell you that? <laughs> no. And I actually started on a plane once writing a book around that. Turns out, not a good fiction writer. Huh. It's a good line, though, isn't it? It is. Too bad I couldn't come up with a bunch of other ones. Dame, that's all we have time for uh, on this week. Everybody change your underwear every day, uh, but don't buy new ones every six months. It's got weird. All right. We'll see you next week. Send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. He's Damien Dunn. I'm Peter Dunn. No relation. And this is the Pete the Planner Show. And